Hey church family, Patricia, your creative arts pastor here with just a few things that are happening at Radiant Life. If you've been staying connected with us on our social media platforms, so Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you've been reading your handy dandy handout, then you're probably already aware of this. June 23rd, we're holding our second annual Light Up the Dark 5K Glow Run. Again, the date for that is June 23rd, and the time for that is 9 p.m., which I know might seem a little bit late, but who are we kidding? Glow sticks look so much cooler when the sun is no longer visible. It's important to stay hydrated and have the right nutrients, so we are looking for granola bars and water bottles to be donated for this event. As well, you can't really have a glow run without glow sticks, so we're also in need of lots and lots of glow sticks. As well, feel free to donate gift cards for run supplies. So be sure to scope out the Couch to 5K if you haven't already done so. Again, that's Mondays at 6 p.m. at Radiant Life Church, and mark your calendars June 23rd for our second annual Light of the Dark 5K glow run. Here at Radiant Life, we're gifted with a pretty amazing team. Sometimes a little odd, but pretty amazing. As you're familiar with teams, sometimes the players change. A couple of months ago, Carol Rice, our custodian, ended up retiring from her position here at Radiant Life. As well, this week, Sally Heidloff, our secretary, has retired from her position. So on June 3rd, we want to take the time after second service to celebrate the both of them. So again, that's June 3rd, right after second service. We're gonna have cake and ice cream and I'm sure coffee. So just come on out, celebrate the two of them. Sure to be a good time. If you've missed the last few weeks here, allow me to catch you up. We've been in a teaching series titled Jesus Is, where we've learned that Jesus is grace, he's a friend of sinners, he is joy, and he is alive. Today we wrap up this teaching series, so prepare your hearts and minds and allow God to teach you something that maybe you haven't thought about before. Well, good morning, friends. It's good to see everyone here from... Those of you that are first time at Radiant Life to those that are regular attenders, it's just awesome to come into a place with four walls and worship our Creator together. And uh, a sneak peek for you, next week we are kicking off a brand new teaching series titled Insecurity. It's this idea of that we allow our insecurities, perhaps maybe fear, sabotage us from the life God really wants us to live. So we're going to look a three-weeker on insecurity, and I'm excited because I've already begun to write these messages out, and I'm getting just geeked out because I'm a Bible nerd, and I've got maps like crazy, and I'm just excited for it. So turn to your neighbor and say, he's a nerd. Hey, that's offensive now. <laughs> Call me a nerd. Hey, thanks for obeying. <laughs> there you go, right? Hey, insecurity, three-weeker. In two weeks, it's Mother's Day. And we realize on Mother's Day, do you realize that that's the number one day women across America don't come to church? It's Mother's Day. Because it elicits a lot of emotion. Some, mother, some women just can't have, can never have a child, and that's your dream your whole life. Here at Radiant Life, we celebrate every woman because no matter if you actually have children, you have been motherly to someone in your life. Even a good friend, you can be motherly to them. So in two weeks, we're going to celebrate all women on Mother's Day, and you'll be received. Uh, hopefully, it's nice, and spring decides to bless us. Uh, finally, uh, as you walk in, you'll be given something pretty cool. We think it's cool. It probably won't be, but we think it's cool. But you'll get it, you'll get it as you walk into church. That's in two weeks. So uh, please don't miss out. On that, and again, we'll be in the midst of our insecurity 
uh, teaching series. But this morning, we're going to wrap up, uh, we've been on this for five parts, wrap up our Jesus Is teaching series. But I want to ask you a question first. How many of you like sleep? You would say, I almost love sleep, actually. Yeah. How many of you are like really early bird people, like three, four, five in the morning, like you're just up, wow, good, good for you. That is an ungodly hour that you arise every week, All right? I get up, no matter what time it is, my alarm clock, six o'clock, I get up six every day, and um, I'm no use to anyone before six o'clock, except maybe the devil, because I am ungodly at the early hours without coffee, and uh, six o'clock on, but... We're going to jump into Matthew chapter 11. If you want to turn there, if you have your Bible or phone or tablet, Matthew in the Old, Newer Testament, Matthew chapter 11. And I asked about rest because Jesus, we're going to look at three verses this morning and realize this has really revolutionized the way I view rest. Not only physically, but spiritually and emotionally are these three sentences that Jesus speaks to the crowds that are listening nearby. And I think we're going to fall in love with it in a sense that I think it can completely free us from busyness, free us from stress, and free us from worry and anxiety this morning as we wrap up Jesus is. But Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And by the way, before I get there, if any of you do the version Bible, any app, you can use it. It's a free Bible. I have it on my iPhone. I have it on my iPad. It's a free Bible app. It's the number one used Bible app in the world, use it. It's free. Thank you to Craig Rochelle at Life Church. They completely did this for everyone. And the verse of the day actually is what we're going to be teaching on this morning. Ironically, I think not. I think there's a God who's in control and there's no such thing as coincidences. All right, here we go. Matthew 11 verse 28 says this, come to me all you who are, what's this word? Weary and what? You ever feel that way? We're just weary and burdened. And Jesus tells the crowds this, and he has a promise at the end of the sentence. He says, and I will give you what? Rest. Jesus says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Man, how many of us this morning, we just wish this would really come true for us. We're just tired. And then in verse 30, Jesus, his last sentence, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Three powerful sentences because the crowds that are listening to who Jesus is talking to, they've been under the religious law. They've been under this religious system and this religious system taught you do good and do things. You have to work your way into the favors of your heavenly father. It's been inundated in the religious people. All they do is work to say, God, I hope you're pleased with what I'm doing constantly. At work, you're going to relate to one another. You're going to relate through the law. At home and in our marriages, if you're going to relate to one another, it's through the law. If you're going to discipline your kids, you had to make sure it was through the law. Everything hinged for the religious people on the law. And they were exhausted and they were tired because it was always about doing and being. And 1,500 years earlier, a guy by the name of Moses gets the Ten Commandments. And God tells them, these are the ten, the top ten, that I want you to abide by. Because if you remember the story, God's people had been in 400 years in Egypt in bondage and in slavery. 
400 years of Egyptian pagan gods and religion. And God comes to them through the leadership of Moses to deliver them out of there. And now God has to take them in the wilderness and say, I have to get Egypt out of you. If you're going to be my people, and I'm going to put you in the promised land, the land of Canaan, which is present-day Israel, the size of New Jersey, very small. But I'm going to put you there because all ancient roadways are going to cut right through there. You're to be me, the hands and feet. You're to be that royal priesthood to all the nations. Because the nations that's going to surround the Israelites are pagan nations. Incest, child sacrifice, ritual prostitution. That's how they worship their gods. And God says, no, 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 no. You're to show the world who I am. So he gives the major top ten commandments. And then Jesus is beginning to come on the scene and the religious people, the Pharisees, rise up and begin to add more laws into these top ten to live by. They're stricter stipulations that they put in. And in the end, if you were a Jewish person under their law, you had to follow 613 laws in order to honor and please God. And they were just exhausted from it. And the law was based on these things. Being good, do the best work you can do. Just be good and do good. Those two things, everything hinged on those two things. And then they had 613 laws to follow through. And they were exhausted. They were constantly trying to do good in hopes that God, can you just please still love me? And can you please still find favor in me? They were just tired. And then Jesus enters the scene. And Jesus' words to a tired, probably crowd that have seen mom and dad work hard under the law, trying to be good and do good. They saw mom and dad get burned out. And now here they are doing the same. I'm just trying to be good. I'm just trying to do good. I'm trying to obey the 613 laws that I have to abide by. And Jesus enters the scene. Let's look back into Matthew with this context now. As Matthew says these words in verse 28 again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I imagine the people there saying, really? Who is this Jesus? Rest? All we do is work and try to please God and be good and do good. And you're offering us rest? What does that even look like, Jesus? And this word for weary elicits an image of absolute exhaustion from work. Just completely drained. And then God said, if you feel this way, if you feel weary, and elicits the next image of burden is carrying a heaviness to you. Jesus says to the crowds, this is probably how you feel under the law. You feel very tired because you're trying to work and work and get into God's favor, and you're carrying this huge burden because you realize you aren't good enough. You can't even enjoy life because you never quite measure up to the 613 laws we have. And there's a heaviness. And Jesus says, if you feel like this, 
I'll give you rest. And then I sit back and realize, isn't that us in the 21st century today? That's exactly us. That we are so tired because we let our kids dictate our schedules as families. And all you do is run around everywhere and you get to the end of the day and you're just like, I'm just tired. God, I didn't even talk to you. I didn't even get to spend time in your word today. I'm just too tired. I'm going to bed. For others of us, we realize our work schedule is so hectic and chaotic right now. We don't know when it's going to end. We are just working, 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 and you get home, and I don't have time for my kids. I don't have time for my family. I'm just tired. And some of us are over here burdened. We realize we've been carrying that unforgiveness against our spouse or against that coworker. You allowed the root of bitterness to creep in your heart and you have a heavy burden. You have the heavy, heavy burden of an addiction or a sin that you're still carrying with you and you just feel the weight and heaviness on you. Jesus says, if this is you, I'll give you rest. I'll give you exactly what you need. To the crowds, this is what they felt like. Rest, Jesus, really? And then in verse 30, Jesus evokes these words when he says, For my yoke is easy. Now, yoke means two things in this, in this uh, meaning and in this context. The first is, Jesus is talking to a farming, uh, it was very farming uh, culturally at the time of Jesus. And so, the farmers and those that are listening know exactly what a yoke is. The yoke was that thing that went in between two ox that put them together so they can go on the exact same pace. You tend to yoke together an old ox with a young ox. The old ox is to set the pace of farming so the young ox can learn not to go too fast and wear yourself out. Join together, and the old ox is basically saying, young ox, let me teach you the pace we do all this work at. And you put them together. And Jesus, in, in the midst of speaking to the crowds who absolutely feel tired, who absolutely feel worn out because they're trying to abide by this rule-based living, the system of the law, he's saying, my yoke is light because the yoke of the law was too heavy for them to bear anymore. And then the other meaning of yoke is in the rabbinical world, Jesus being a rabbi, meaning teacher, the yoke of a rabbi was the teaching of your rabbi. So in the rabbinical world, what Jesus is saying is, listen, my teaching is easy. You've heard it said so many times you have to follow these 613 laws. And then Jesus was cornered and said, Jesus, you tell us what's the greatest commandment. You tell us what's the greatest law we abide by. And Jesus, I imagine, he's like, yeah, there's 613s. I'll sum it up in two. You're to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbors as, as yourself. My teaching is easy. Love God love others. You religious people have complicated the message of who God is. These 613 laws, you have complicated it. I want to tell you my teaching is easy. And my burden that comes with it is light. Because the weight of the religious system was too heavy on those people in the first century. And Jesus is just saying, take my teaching 
Just love God with all you got and love others. That's all you got to do. My teaching, my yoke is easy. Just come to me. If you're weary, if you're burdened, if you have heaviness, come to me. And I feel like a lot of times when we feel that way, you know what we do? We let pride creep in and say, I got this, God. Or better yet, God, I got to keep working because I know your son died on the cross for me, but I messed up back here. And I believe in your forgiveness, but I want to make sure I really get it, so I'm going to work at even harder to please you. And what we really do is we just turn the law, law on us. We don't rest in the grace of who Jesus is. And they miss the point. Jesus is the point. Jesus says, guys, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. 613, I didn't get to get rid of it. Just look at the way I live my life and do that. It's easy. You've complicated it. I've made it easier. Love God, love others, and watch, live like Jesus. Watch how I treat other people. Watch how I interact with other people. And I realize Jesus is giving us a choice today. And the choice is this. Carry heavy or carry light. And I know sometimes for us, we are just so used to carrying heavy. We're used to carrying that unforgiveness. It's just become natural for us. We're used to carrying un, or bitterness. We're used to carrying that addiction that's always just been me. It's who I am. Or this morning we could say, God, I'm tired of it. I want to surrender everything I have to you because your word promises that I can carry light. And God, I'm giving you it, everything that is on me, my tiredness, my exhaustion. I'm just giving it to you and I'm going to rest in who you are. It's so much easier said than done, isn't it? Because if I really, if we took a poll this morning and we say, okay, who wants to carry heavy? There'd be no one. We say, who wants to carry your light? And every hand would go up. And then the question would be, then why do we still carry heavy? Because we don't allow God, we don't allow and create time in our own calendars to say, God, let me rest in you. One of the most important things I've done is just start the day with God. Start the day with God. Make sure it's on your calendar some way, somehow. Rest spiritually before you start your journey. What I realize is I interact better with people when I begin my day with God. I totally interact differently. Because if I don't, inter if I don't have my rest with God immediately in the first of the day, I'll let all other busyness get in the way, and then I'll lay my head at night and be like, wow, God, I never rested in you one time. But I hope you're pleased with what I bring to you. In a minute, we're going to watch a video. This video kind of sums up our entire series of Jesus is. Because I know for a lot of us, we still feel that law on us. We still feel like I got to do good, I got to be good in order to get into the graces and favor of God. We just have to choose to rest in who Jesus is and carry light. Give our burdens, give our weariness to him. This video begins with Jesus on trial. 
Jesus is getting ready to face his death, and he's before Pilate, and there's a guy named Barabbas in Jesus, and Pilate pits the two of them together. So let's watch this video together. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free? Open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper. What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We, we want Barabbas. Yeah, give us Barabbas. They give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform, welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience in Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now, or you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent, for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of a heavenly Father. God save. 
and his son for Barabbas. Even the one he knew would walk away from Jesus and his free gift and never come back. He loves them. And the nerve, the call, the audacity of believers to think, I got saved by grace, but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, I'm going to work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it! No, you won't! You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me and say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No! God, I, I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, son. This is all we got. It's all I got, it's all you got. We can play games, we can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed, or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God. And it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive. Let me have your sin, son. Okay. And I give him my sin. And I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go son, live your life. I'll pay the price. 
Where did we get off thinking that we were going to set ourselves free? It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. We'll never find rest for always trying to please God. There was only one who could do it, and his name was Jesus. And he did it already. So may we rest in the completed work of Jesus Christ in our lives. We're going to take time to celebrate communion together. And in John... Some of the gospel writers write about the life of Jesus and he gets to the last days, the last, what's known as the last supper. Jesus goes into the upper room. He's with his 12 best friends, his 12 disciples. Jesus knowing one of them is going to betray me. Yet he still chooses in the midst of it to still love Judas and Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He says, this is my body to be broken for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. Then Jesus took the cup of wine. He said, take and drink. This is my blood that will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me. And this morning... That's what we're going to do as a church family, is to remember that Jesus is enough. Here at Radiant Life, you don't have to be a member at Radiant Life to partake in communion. We just ask you that you're a follower of Jesus, that you've put your faith and trust into him, and you choose to follow him every single day. All of our bread is gluten-free, all right? Yes, we've thought about you food-sensitive people. All right, so it's all gluten-free, and it's not bad gluten-free. <laughs> There's some bad gluten-free stuff. This is good, okay? Everywhere. Um, pregnant ladies, this is juice, so you don't have to. Sometimes, you know, you'll get a pregnant. Is this wine or is this juice? So it's, it's juice. So um, We also say at Radiant Life is one of the things is a lot of times when movement happens, that's when you feel best and feel comfortable to move when movement happens. I just ask that you would move when you and God are ready. When you feel like, God, I'm sorry for trying to work for you to love me. You already do. Maybe for some of us, it's just a time of confession. Maybe for some of us, it's, I got to hold my family member's hand, and I just got to pray for all of us before we go do this together. So you can grab the elements. Well, we have two in the back. JB and Josh are in the back. Tables in the corner. Brandon, Amy, and myself will be up front for you. When you're ready to move, grab the elements. If you have to use the altar to pray, use that time to connect with God. You can take the elements. If you got to go over there to the corners, that's fine as well. Or take it back to your seat and take it when you're ready. But I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to ask for you to move and partake of the elements. Heavenly Father, 
We just want to take time. And a lot of times when we take this time of communion, it's sombering. We realize that sacrifice. We realize the beating that you took, the nails driven through your hands and through your feet, the crown of thorns jammed on your head. We realize all of that and realizing that should be us. But this incredible, reckless, crazy love that you have for us covers all of our sins that we don't have to do that. You sent your one and only son, Jesus, to do that for us in place of us. I pray as we carry burdens, as we have weariness and we're tired, that we would stop trying to please you and already know you call us your son, you call us your daughter. You've already did it. You did it on the cross for us.